Hi, and thanks for tuning in to Believe, where we are discussing positive topics on true success, health and wellness, money and business, world news, and tonight I'm start starting you guys off with our universe. Make sure to check us out on our website at believelovesyou.com, YouTube forward slash Believe Loves You, and like us on Facebook at Facebook forward slash Believe Loves You. So again, tonight I'm going to start us off on our universe, and I am Karen Laffey. And you are? <laughs> okay, so back into <laughs> our universe. So if you haven't heard already, next month we are having a total solar eclipse. On August 21st, 2017, people across the United States will see the sun disappear behind the moon, turning daylight into twilight, causing the temperature to drop rapidly and revealing massive streamers of light streaking through the sky around as a silhouette around the moon. On that day, which has been dubbed the Great American Total Solar Eclipse, will darken the skies all the way from Oregon to South Carolina, a long stretch of land that's about 70 miles wide. So what is this solar eclipse, do you say? Well, Sol, which is the sun, eclipse is getting darker, covering it. When the moon is actually passing between the earth and the sun, so the word would be sun, moon, earth. Sun, moon, earth. When the moon is passing between the two, it actually passes in the same, the same path where it actually covers the entire sun and leaves it with the rays of the, the sun rays that you can actually see, which will actually blind you if you're not looking at it when it's in its totality. When it's in its totality, it won't blind you, but you're not supposed to be looking at it anyway. So always wear solar eclipse, glass, solar eclipse glasses wherever you go and do not look at the sun. But um, what is going to happen here? Again, it's going to turn daylight into twilight. And what experts are saying is that the loss of sunlight actually drops the temperature 10 degrees more. It also changes the lighting so that the shadows look sharper on the ground so that it's possible to see the actual individual hairs on your head in the shadow. That's pretty crazy. During the total eclipse, sky watchers might be able to see stars during the daytime or perhaps catch a glimpse of the planet Mercury, which is actually really difficult to see on a normal day because of how close it orbits the sun. Some states like Illinois, Missouri, Tennessee, and South Carolina are closing schools for the day, fearing that the few hours after the totality, some surveyors may look into the sky and burn their eyes out. So they're trying to do the best they can to keep the children and whomever else safe at home. Or are they fearing something else? I mean, if you think about it, the sun being blocked out, I mean, who knows what else could that could cause any problems with. But anyways, we're not going to go there. <laughs> so who can see it? A lot of people. Everyone throughout the United States, in fact, everyone in North America, plus South America, Africa, and Europe, they'll all at least see actually um, partial eclipse, not the totality of it, but partial. Because um, to actually see the total eclipse or the totality of the eclipse, you actually would need to be within that 
path of totality is what they're calling it, which is relatively a thin ribbon that will cross across the United States from west to east. Um, the first point of contact is actually going to be on Lincoln Beach in Oregon at 9.05 a.m. The totality begins there at 10.16 Pacific, uh, uh, Pacific Standard Time. And then over the next hour and a half, it will cross throughout the remainder of the 14 states on the path, ending near Charleston, South Carolina at 2.48 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. From there, the lunar shadow leaves the United States at 4.09 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you are within that ribbon, there are certain local libraries that are actually giving out or supplying uh, uh, special glasses for you to be able to look at the eclipse and not burn your eyes, remember that. <laughs> but you can also create your own where you can see the reflection um, throughout the box and how to um, create this little, like it almost looks like a Google box. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that with the VR. It's a little cardboard box that you can actually make, cut a window in and put a piece of aluminum foil on the outside and a hole in it. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make one and rather than try to blow your head off with this, this imagination of all this crazy information I'm trying to tell you about what this box looks like, I'm gonna make you one and I'll bring it. Because this isn't gonna happen until next month anyway, so I have time. So anyways, a lot of people are saying that if you are going to experience this, you are going to experience somewhat of a freaky, I guess, freaky, time warpy, space kind of feeling. And what I mean by that is, what they're saying is depending on where you're surrounded, and the totality comes near, you're gonna experience strange things. Strange things. You'll notice a re resemblance to the onset of night, though not exactly night, so the twilight thing. Areas are much larger in the sky near the sun, and they all lie around the horizon. And shadows even look different. Remember earlier they were saying that the shadows are gonna be so intense or in detail that you can actually see the hairs on your head. So the shadows are gonna be in high def if you can, say, if you can think about it that way. Um, also, something that was mentioned is that usually any breeze will dissipate and the birds will stop chirping. It's quiet. And a 10, 10 to $15, 10 to 15 Fahrenheit degree drop in temperature is not unusual. So could you imagine you're, you know, you're standing in the, in the path of totality with your glasses, of course, ready for it to come. And all of a sudden, within minutes of it arriving, you just feel the sense of change. You feel that the, the sky is getting darker and your eyes are getting clearer because the shadows are getting more crisp and HD. And then all of a sudden the temperature drops. I don't know about you, but you, I don't, you know, they have their ghost hunter shows and movies, but you know what happens when the temperature drops. Something creepy, you know, creepy feeling. It's not natural for things to, to, to immediately change like that, that quickly. So to me, that's pretty freaky. But aside that, I, I always like to see meaning in things or maybe like if there's a symbolo symbology um, associated with it or um, a story that goes along with these astronomy things because it I mean the the, the solar eclipses have been tra tra being traced and tracked from ancient Greece to ancient China um, one record recording in ancient China described one of the solar eclipses as the sun being eaten and I mean can you imagine I mean that's kind of a 
pretty creative thought because, you know, back then we don't have a way to really describe things of, you know, so the sun being eaten would be perfectly describable, I guess. <laughs> but what I found a little deeper in the, in the uh, aspects of, like I said, symbology or is there a meaning, deeper meaning with this since it's been tracked for decades. But the thing that mostly is talked about is, you know, how we're, just this, the, the actual nuance of it is how it doesn't happen but this many times of the year or, you know, it, it's just like this beautiful thing that everybody needs to participate in and experience because it's, it doesn't happen all the time. What I found was, in my research to find out deeper meaning for that, was generally the, the new moon symbolizes planting new seeds and starting afresh. You know, we are essentially working on a blank canvas of the dark moon where our ideas can gestate into a new moon soil. Basically, anytime you see like a new moon, again, it, it replicates a, a new change or a rebirth type thing. And what they're saying, but with a solar eclipse, the moon comes between the sun and the earth, therefore interrupting the flow of energy, causing a disruption. So this isn't something that's natural, you know, like when a clock ticks and all the, you know, the cogs and the wheels move. It's just like this natural thing and this natural motion of how the clock keeps ticking and it, you know, it gives you the right time. It's always in, in sync. And even if you put it in a room with other clocks, eventually they're going to become in sync. And that's another topic. So my point in saying that is with the solar eclipse, it's as though something is being disrupted. Nature is being disrupted. And for a split moment, I think it's like for a few minutes, this energy is giving you a moment to take the time to look at whatever it is that's going on in your life, whether it be to break a habitual habit, a relationship, or whatever. It's basically that moment in space and time that you have to reflect to clean your slate and start all over. Just the whole description of what it even does, like the, how it, the very air changes around you and the loss of, of, of sight, of sunlight, and the drop in ten temperature, like that's just kind of like that whole zero gravity or sight, or it's not sight, but sense deprivation type of thing where it's just you and this space where you have a moment to think clearly without interruption. I mean, I could I can go into all of it. There's so much stuff that's really deep, pretty deep. But long story short, to give you the gist of it, is that it's symbolized as taking the time in the dark to see yourself. Are, is there anything that you can get rid of? Is there anything that you need to do over? Is there anything that you want to do different? Look at that and begin anew and start again. You know, the solar eclipse is very good at showing up any imbalances that you have. A solar eclipse can bring an awakening or shocking revelation that can rock you to the core. And this is referred to as a cosmic reboot. Pretty interesting name. Which it aims to balance the left and the right brain hemisphere and therefore consciousness. 
so that you're not lopsided. You know, some of the things that we've been talking about, you know, consciousness or being mindful or being aware or present in, in, in the present moment, it, I mean, this speaks of it as well, that when you have that clarity moment, it's a cosmic reboot. Okay, I'm going to reset. Am I, am I thinking too analytically here? Am I thinking too um, non-analytically? Am I, am I too in the clouds and not with my feet on the ground type of thing? You know, some people have an equal hemisphere strength, but the sides are disconnected. So they are flipping from one thing to another. Does that sound familiar? I mean, how many times have we not been able to decide on something or have been indecisive about something? Because we're, we have the ability to have equal hemisphere strength, meaning that I can do the numbers and be analytical and I can do this. I can be creative. I can be compassionate. I can be I'm intuitive, but I can also be strategic and numbers. You know, we, we're strong in that, but it's the, it's the connecting. It's not connecting. It's disconnected, that back and forth, back and forth, rather than that harmony or that balance. Many artistic and spiritual types are right brain dominant, and thus sometimes it can be hard to ground themselves in 3D reality. Me, for myself, I am a creative and I'm also a spiritual person. And to me, that totally makes sense because you are heavily dominated in the positive and the spiritual. And the reality is that life isn't always about that. Everyone, every situation, every person, everything, every experience is not going to be exactly like you. So even though that's where we live, we live in that free spirit, we live in that compassionate, love, artistic mind, in order to, I shouldn't say survive, but in order to be of the world or to get things done or to be functional, you know, you have to have skills on the logic side as well. What, so you don't get taken advantage of, so that you're not being bamboozled or whatever. You see what I'm saying? Like, it's, it would be awesome if we could just you know, trust everyone, which, I mean, we should trust everyone in the beginning anyways, but there also has to be that intuitive side that works with the strategic side or that logical side that says, be smart, love, but be smart, be kind, but be smart. You know, that's it. So whether you are with someone who didn't treat you well or wanted to be with someone or, you want to, you have some toxic relationships in your life. This is also a time for you to take a look at what do you have going on in your life? You know, are there some people around you that maybe aren't good for you? And so use this. It would be a good thing to use this solar because okay, this is the day that I'm going to focus on putting a list together or coming up with things that maybe I'm not happy with in my life or maybe that aren't good for me. And then maybe this will be kind of good for you to, to use this for yourself as a... It's setting a date for yourself to meet with yourself to create the life for yourself. <laughs> but, you know, this is, I mean, this is ancient talks. This is ancient recording. So this obviously means something. And at the end of the day, the reality is, if and none of this stuff has anything to do with this, this stuff is only going to make you better anyways. And what I mean by that is getting rid of toxic people, making better chains and breaking habits. Those are all good for you, so why not? So let's talk a little bit about 
health and wellness. And today I wanted to kind of share with you uh, uh, some articles that I came across that were talking about breaking up and divorce and the emotions that you go through during it, in, in the middle of it, and even after it. And so today I just wanted to talk to you guys about seven things that you must focus on during any breakup or divorce. You know, breakups suck no matter how much you spend them. Um, but acknowledging and understanding that even though those maybe have been bad experiences or think times that you wish to forget or wish they were better, the reality is is that if you would just take a moment, and you might not be able to do this now because you're emotional and you're sad, and that's fine. You know, we all have to, um, we all have to let it go. You know, what I mean by that is when you break up or go through a divorce or you have any traumatic experience or emotional time in your life, you know, you do need to grieve in a sense, meaning you need to express the emotions that you have. I don't, I don't believe in holding them in because they just stay there and they don't go anywhere and they eventually make you sick. So if ever that something makes you sad or, you know, like a, break, a breakup or a divorce, any type of life change is pretty dramatic. And I, I, I'm a firm believer in getting your emotions out and letting them go because we're human and, you know, but they weren't meant to be pushed and down and, you know, hindered. They were meant to be expressed and move on pretty much. <laughs> so after you've, of course, grieved and your, your mind is clear because, you know, you definitely want to be of sound in mind when you are putting your goals together for success. But um, going through these things can cause you or cause anyone really to really grow and flourish and be better than you were with that person. And I'm telling you this because it's true. It's happened to me. It's happened to a lot of people I know. But, you know, when you go through those things, you don't you don't feel it and you don't see it because you're feeling and seeing other things. You're feeling and seeing the sadness of the breakup. You're feeling and see it, seeing all the things you should have did, could have, would have did. But the reality is, is that once you grieve and let go, you actually grow and you become way better than you were before. So always, always remember that whenever you're ending a relationship, you know, again, it's painful, but it, it obviously ended for a reason, right? So... The most crucial thing you would definitely want to do is keep your mind positive and healthy. A couple of things that I just jotted down here, and these aren't specifics, the only way required. I just did this here to share with you and to get creative thoughts in your mind going so that you can do what's best for you. But one thing that um, I do every day, every day, I've made it a habit to do every day, um, that I feel regardless if your life is great, or not great, or you're sad, or not great, every day you should do this and make it a part of your, your day. But when you wake up, be grateful. Be grateful that you're able to wake up and take another breath, explore another day, another chance to do, say, or be whatever it is that you want to do. Always grateful because we ultimately have a lot of control over our lives, more than we think we do. But not only be grateful for the breath, everything that you have, but also be grateful for the things that are about to happen. Like, I'm grateful for today, I'm thankful that I'm here, and I am so grateful for the many things that are going to come my way. 
and I'm grateful for all the things that are just lined up waiting for me. And I'm grateful and I receive it. And I, and I, and I send that to other people and who I know, my friends and family, I wish them the same. Every day I do that. It's just become a habit. And it's, you know, first it was kind of like I had to remind myself, but after, you know, like you, everything else, if you do it so long, it becomes a habit. Another thing I recommend when you are in that down moment, whether you're in going through the breakup, after the breakup, or about to break up, other than gratitude, always remember to breathe. Which I know that, that sounds so funny because, you know, our brain, you know, pretty much has got a program pretty well on how to allow us to breathe without us thinking. But what I mean by that is to consciously stop and take a breath. You know, like the, the solar eclipse, how it's basically interrupting nature. It's coming in and it's blocking up the sun. And so they're using a, that symbolic um, happening as a clean over, a do over state. It's not natural, meaning it's not time. It's not natural. Like you're breathing, it's time natural. But once you take charge and take that breath and not just let your body do it for you, but take that breath. It allows you to get control over your body, your mind, and it allows you to relax and think. Because when you are worrying or you're sad or depressed because of the situation, you know, you're never going to have anybody who's going to love you. What if you're alone for the rest of your life? Um, I mean, whatever those things come in your mind, because I, to be quite honest with you, everybody thinks those things. You know, you're not the only person or whoever it is, isn't the only person that has ever felt sad or, uh, you know, distraught over a relationship ending or divorce. Everyone feels that way. Everyone comes across, I should say, in their own way. Not everybody grieves or mourns the same, but everybody goes through that. So when you t stop and take a breath, take control of that moment and tell yourself that everything's going to be fine. Tell yourself anything positive in that moment of breath because that moment is just like the eclipse. It's that very moment that you have, that small little window to take control of your life because what's going to happen is time and it's going to go back to the natural state of life. The, the eclipse is going to go away and then the world's going to be the world. The sun's going to come out tomorrow and the moon's, everything's going to be just the same and it's going to go. So it's almost like, it's almost like, um, what do they call it in golf? That, um, I can't think of it, but if, if you know what it is, please type it below on YouTube or leave a comment somewhere because I can't remember it, but it's going to come to me. So if I say it randomly out loud, then that's what it is. So anyways, it's almost like that restart, cosmic reboot, that moment. So when you take a breath and you grab it, you're doing something that is unnatural because you're causing that breath. You're stopping your body from, you're interrupting what it's doing and you're in control of that breath. Inject positive things. Do not say anything negative, inject positive. Because the reality is, and I've said this before, is that a lot of the things that we worry about and stress about don't really happen. But the positive stuff does. So another thing is to let go of expectations. Whether you have a custody agreement or a conversation of how to deal with the holidays, whether you have pets, kids, it's just going to be... It's going to be not easy at first, I should say. According to the second truth of Buddhism, desire causes suffering. 
So when you expect, oh, well, I'm going to get Christmas and you're going to do this and you're going to do that and I'm going to have this. And then when the reality comes in or steps in, it's not quite what you had expected or had hoped because the reality is you're having to deal with another person who is maybe not your best friend right now. So they are not going to be as accommodating to your expectations. And so that's another way that you can get pretty upset. So just be grateful. Again, back to the gratitude, you know, let go of how you want to control things and how you think things should work because you're angry or you're bitter and you're upset. You know, don't don't put that on you. Don't don't allow that to happen. You know, things will always work out and be peaceful about it. Don't expect anything. Just be grateful for whatever it is, because ultimately everything is going to be fine. Everything is going to work out. So another thing to think about during that breakup, before, during, or after is the ability to enjoy your freedom. You know, when we're in relationships, sometimes we don't spend enough time with ourselves. Um, some relationships, they don't have that problem because they have that, you know, boundary of, of my space, your space. Um, and so, you know, that's not really the case. But when you're in a really not jiving relationship for a long time, whether it be married or relationship, I'm sure there's lots of times where you wish that you could just go do your thing or whatever. And when you split up, look at that. Look, look at that, that whole thing right there. Enjoy your freedom. Discover your time. I mean, discover and explore. When you're split up, oh my God, you can do whatever you want. Everything that you've loved to do before you were in a relationship, you can go do. Everything that you want, every place you wanted to eat that maybe they didn't want to eat, you can go. And make things positive for yourself. Create those feelings for yourself. Tell yourself, I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm going to do whatever it takes to do the things that I've always wanted to do. And I'm okay with that. And I'm happy about that. I'm going to be able to do things for myself. You know, we do, we become, I think they say, they say the five people with that. We become the five people we hang around with. If you're in a bad relationship for someone for five years, you probably have maybe picked up some of their traits or their behaviors or hobbies or whatever, because, you know, you become each, like each other. And so sometimes we sacrifice some of the things that we used to do or love to do because we're in that relationship. So think of it like that, too, as, wow, you know, this is the moment I have to rediscover myself, to reinvent myself and look forward to that. Remind yourself that. Also learn to forgive. That's real important, too. Um, I shouldn't say learn to forgive. Make yourself forgive because... Learning, when people say learn to forgive, I mean, if you really look at the technicality of that, learning, you know, what do you do to learn to, to forgive? Um, I mean, there's like, I don't know if there's really, maybe you can buy, you know, self-help books or whatever, but the reality is you just need to make yourself forgive. Make yourself forgive others. You know, the end of a relationship being painful, but, and sometimes it can be difficult, you know, whatever the situation is, why you guys are breaking up, whether it be cheating, whatever it is, you know, everything is Everything is as important or as emotional or detrimental or sensitive to, they're different to everyone. So what my, what my situation could be different than someone else's situation, but the pain that you feel over that is the same and that's hurt and sadness. So 
it's important to forgive. You don't necessarily have to forget, you know, because, you know, but you, you definitely need to forgive for your sake, not for their sake, but for your sake. Because you want to be free of negative emotions. You want to be free of any bitterness and you want to move forward. And forgiveness is putting a stamp on it and saying, see you later. You know, when you, when you can't put a stamp on it and say, see you later, then that's going to cause problems. So forgive that person and forgive yourself. You know, we, we always are our worst critic. And when things happen, we tend to always focus on what we did wrong. You know, learn your lessons and then let it go. I mean, seriously, I, I have experienced so many different relationships and people that have been good and bad and, you know, just life, you know. Not everything is perfect. But I am so thankful for them, even the ones that were hurtful or traumatic or whatever because you know and I know you hear people say this all the time it's that that's who they are they would never be the person they are if they had never experienced those things in life I mean it really is I mean how do you know what you don't want until you experience something that you don't want now you know okay I don't want that or maybe they didn't say that right how do you know what you want or I'm sorry experiencing what you don't want Helps you figure out what you do want. There. So another thing to keep in mind or to make a list or to focus on is to be present. We always talk about that too. But what I mean mostly by that is just to not keep yourself busy. You know, drowning in information, drowning in busyness to get your mind off of um, whatever, you know, that bad relationship. Um, what are you going to do? Are you going to find somebody else? Do I have enough money to live my own? Where am I going to live? What about the kids? I mean, don't think about that. Be present and enjoy whatever it is that you're doing now. And if you need to plan for the future, then you can do that. But don't worry about the future. Just plan what it is that you need to do. What do you want to do? Be present and don't go in the past and thinking about what you could have done, what that person could have done. Why did they do this? Or why did they do that? Or why did you do this? Or what happened? Or what's wrong with you? Like, those are not questions you need to be asking. Trust me. Because the answer that you get is not going to be probably the best answer. They're probably going to put you down. Now, unless you are present and saying, let me analyze this and see what went wrong, that's totally different. Because you're, con you're in the present moment, you're not emotionally tied to that, and you're really trying to make a conscious, a mindful, a present or a present process or a decision you know you know you're pondering what happened let me take a look at what happened that's okay but like I said emotionally you're sad or you know don't don't go there but if you can harmonize yourself in that balance of not being not feeling a negative emotion then it's okay to to kind of go over maybe what happened what went wrong and, and now now you know now you know so another thing is to shed toxic people. So when you are in a relationship, I noticed, you know, you pick up their friends, they pick up your friends, and then you have your friends that you've had forever that maybe aren't being the best influence right now. Maybe they're um, not 
empathizing with you and how you feel and just kind of dogging the other person or dogging you or trying to tell you what to do, what you should have done different, um, you need to cut that out too because that's not going to help you either because it's going to be like, I know, I know, I don't know what I was thinking. It's just going to be like that same negative thing but with like a choir, you know? I'm saying like that's, don't do that to yourself. That's just stupid. Shed the toxic people. Tell yourself, I am worthy and I deserve to have a better life or to be a better person without the influence of somebody else. You don't need anybody else to tell you what you want. So if you have other people that in your life that are not supporting you in this decision or, you know, emotionally, then you need to shed the toxic people. You know, if you want to make the next period of your life the best period, or I should say better than the last period than your life, you need to surround yourself with positive people who will uplift and support you throughout the hard times and the good. Um, I know not everybody is a people person or has a ton of friends, and you know, that's quite okay. You can have a ton of friends and have support from positive people, or you can have one friend who isn't as supportive, but, you know, just there when you need them. But if you're the type of person where you're not that really sociable or you're um, introvert, you know, sometimes it's, it's, you could sometimes rather than being around positive people, you can influence yourself or, or, or uplift your spirits by reading positive information or books maybe stories on people that have had similar circumstances or reaching out to like blogs or videos to kind of just lift up your spirits because you're going to need to do that. You're going to need to get yourself past that time is what they call it. You know, time heals everything. You're going to need to get yourself past here or through, I should say, from here to here, functional. And by just dumping good things into your mind, positive things, hopeful things, It'll help you get from here to here a little smoother. Because the reality is time heals all wounds. But you have to forgive first, though. Seriously, otherwise you'll be thinking about it. <laughs> but seriously, time heals all wounds. And it sucks because we, we always want everything right now. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I want things right now. You know, I want a hot coffee right now. I want ice cream right now or whatever. Everybody wants things right now. So... It's normal for us to feel that way. But there also needs to be some kind of voice in your head that says, okay, whoa, wait, you know, I got to wait. You got to rationalize. Because if you don't, that whole expectation thing, you're going to like just be miserable because you're going to be expecting things that are just not going to happen. And you know what? Someone told me a long time ago, it was kind of cool. It's like they were saying that what if reality or maybe reality total reality or consciousness is actually in the mind, not so much out here, but in the mind, because whatever we think about or whatever we create in my, our mind never gets truly replicated into the real world. So what I mean by that is if I were to draw a circle in my head in purple and then decide to draw it out here or somebody else draw it, that purple circle is never going to be exactly to what was in here. So do I accept that or do I fight it and go crazy and try to make my purple circle look just like it is here? Pick your battles. <laughs> my thing is here, and this should be your thing, it's very easy to remember. If the shoe does not fit, 
don't wear it. All right, so off into money and business. To rent or to buy. Uh, I came across this article on wisebread.com and the article is called Why I Choose to Rent Instead of Buy. So the article listed five reasons to rent instead of buy. And I'm going to give you the five reasons and just kind of chit chat about it because I, I, I am in agreement with this article. Um, I also uh, choose to rent instead of buying. However, that doesn't make it the right answer. And I'm going to go through this list and we'll talk about it and talk about why. So the article wrote um, that, or excuse me, the person who wrote this article um, was talking about they lived in the central Florida region and a single family home, 1,200 square feet in their neighborhood costs about 350000 So even if you find a home at that price that needs a little improvement or even a significant amount to be livable, that's pretty much what you're going to find. Um, so if you find a house that's in your budget or in your dollar range of your loan or what you can afford, not only do you have to be able to afford the mortgage monthly, but before that you have to put down a, like at least 20%. That's $70,000. Um, and then you also have your mortgage every month. So the $70,000 up front, your mortgage, insurance, and taxes. You know, I mean, that, that's a pretty big or expensive investment, I should say, up front, you know, putting that much money up front. You know, um, the housing market is, is extremely competitive, and rentals are actually pretty affordable. If you haven't noticed, the rent and mortgage payments are very close. Um, the article mentioned that there's a lot of lack of affordable housing. Um, you know, particularly issues in New York City, San Francisco, um, and even here in Miami Beach. Well, I always hear people talk about affordable housing. Um, and, I mean, if you're trying to get the market to buy affordable housing, I don't know, that's kind of hard. That, that renter's market is that's really good. Um, but again, that there's that one. It's like, okay, do I want to invest? I think my home is a great investment, but look at all this money you have to put up front. You know, that, that's one thing. So some people don't rent because they don't want to have to put all that money up front for an investment or they don't have that much money up front to put, you know, $20,000 on the, you know, and then mortgage every month. So that was one of the reasons why they preferred to rent instead of buy. And I'll be honest with you, I have to ding, give that one a check mark too. So they also mentioned that maintenance is not my problem. If it's broke, I don't have to fix it. Hmm. True. <laughs> um, if you rent a condo or apartment or whatever, anything, um, if something breaks, you are not responsible to repair. Now, I shouldn't say that. I don't want to say that because I don't know if every leasing place is like that. I do know that the majority of them is, is for instance, if the faucet is leaky or the toilet is having problems, you know, the, it is up to the owner or the um, property manager to come out there and fix the problem and that you're not going to have to come out there and buy a new um, toilet or the plumber that pretty much... Any of the maintenances, pretty much, that are your normal maintenances are covered um, and that you're not having to go out of pocket for them. So that's some money out of pocket, you know, that you're not having to spend um, if you rented versus you buying. Um, something I've heard 
a lot of people say um, this is a hot topic. In the article, it was a hot topic, but you know, in other places, I've heard um, other people that are real estate investors or real estate um, salespeople. They always talk about you know homes being an investment on the realtor side, and then homes not being an investment on the investor side. So houses are often touted as good investments. However, the recession of 2008 showed how flawed that idea was. There is no guarantee that a home's value will increase over time, and there is a chance that it could decrease. And we've seen that before, like mentioned, 2008. So homes that go for $350,000 can be sold for $500,000 pre-recession, built in 2008 and 2010. Those same homes plummeted under $180,000. So that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a lot of money lost. So for homers who took the plunge to buy, they lost a lot of money and either saw their bank foreclose or other homes or still underwater. So, I mean, this is unfortunate and this doesn't happen every day. So, you know, we don't have, you know, foreclosures happen every day, but I mean, we probably do. But my point in that is that if you are looking at your home, buying a home as being an investment, it's, a, it's kind of a dangerous investment because like I just said that, you know, you buy your home for 350000 and something happens in the market, it crashes or the neighborhood, you know, that could quickly depreciate the value of your home. And you could lose a lot of money and who knows when that will come back. It's not like the start market, you know, up today, down tomorrow. So it's, it's, over time, sometimes actually not too far over time either. But another thing, renting versus buying, is flexibility. That's so another thing that that actually intri it, it intrigues me or attracts me to rent um, is that it's not permanent. And not that I'm not a person who doesn't have commitment or anything like that. But as far as like where I choose to experience my life. Is important to me you know I could live in Miami Beach today and then maybe two years from now live in Las Vegas and Nevada um, that's important to me to be able to not feel as though that I can't move or I'm that I'm you know that I have this house here I don't you know I I'm somewhat of a minimalist somewhat of a minimalist not too much of a minimalist but um, I you know I don't require much and so for me having a space just enough for myself and my boyfriend, then as long as we have space for each other, it's fine. I don't need a big house, but some people desire a big house. I just don't. Anyways, back to my point, flexibility. Flexibility is key for me and also for um, the author of this article because renting gives you much more flexibility. If an opportunity pops up in another side of the country, I could just pray, excuse me, I could just pay to break my lease and I'm free to leave if there is a lease, you know, and I don't have to worry about trying to rent my house out or sell it if I want to go somewhere. Or if you have other priorities, such as if you, if, if home ownership is your goal, then you may have to sacrifice other things to make it possible. So to save for a down payment, you may have to cancel your retirement contributions or take money out of your emergency fund. Like that's a lot of money to have to put up front. 
Um, you know, 10% of, of a home isn't a small thing. But if you've been saving for years and you know this is what you want to do and you've got the money, then go for it. Again, this is not golden. This is bad. This is bad. This is the, these are the things that they're talking about. If these things, if you don't care about being flexible, then buy a house. If you want to lay roots in the city you live in and have a family and have them grow up there and go to school there and create that life for yourself and your family there, then buy the house. That's what I'm saying. It's just so, it's really important to find out what's important to you. You're, you're, are you, do you want to be flexible? Are you, are you wanting to redo the whole entire house with new appliances and paint the walls and garden and um, have a pool, trampoline, you know, trampoline in your backyard? Like those are the things for people that actually maybe not necessarily want to buy a home, but maybe even live in a house. But um, as far as buying it for an investment, um, you know, to me, homes are a place to live and not an investment. Um, you know, my goal is to always have a safe place to live, um, not to earn money, but a place to live, you know, and it's not easy to get your cash from an investment in housing. For example, you know, selling your house is, is not an easy task. It's time consuming. It's very expensive, um, or it can be expensive, I should say, especially if it's not selling and you have to do a lot of marketing to try and get it sold. Or maybe if you can't afford it, you, you know, it's money coming out of your pocket, um, sitting there, you know, waiting to be sold. You know, or what if you never want to sell your home? Now you don't have that cash, but of course you have the home, which is, you know, an, an asset. But uh, you know, after it's paid for, but you know, if the market's up and down, you never know what it's going to be worth. But Again, if you're looking at it for investment, you need to think about that. But if you're looking to buy a house because you know this is where you want to be, you want to sow your roots in this town, you want your family to grow here, up here, you want to be here forever, or you just want to buy a house because you want to be able to do whatever you want to it and redecorate it, paint it, do whatever you want, and then, you know what, I'm not, I'm not worried about selling it because this is what I want to do, then buy instead of rent. These are just... If you are this way, then you probably don't want to do that. But again, the main thing is to buy or to rent is really up to you. What do you want? Don't feel obligated to buy a house because you're supposed, that's what everybody's supposed to do. Get married, go to college or go to college, <laughs> get married, climb up the corporate ladder, have kids, buy the house, picket, picket, picket fence. If that's what you want. If it's not what you want, then you are going to be spending a lot of money on something that you don't want. So, think about that. And investments pay you money. I don't know. I mean, you get, you know, certain perks, but an investment is supposed to pay you money, not cost you money. Right? Yeah. So, let's move on to our next topic, which is true success. Kindness is the key. So studies show, according to a recent article in the metro.co.uk, um, that there was research done to show from a uh, university in Zurich regarding how our brain affects, or not affects, but how our brain actually function um, according to some of the actions that we take. So you've probably heard that the key to happiness is letting go of negative thoughts, thinking happy thoughts. 
published in Nature's Communications, the small study found that rather than buying yourself a Louis Vuitton bag or an Avenger Hurricane military watch by Breitling, spending money on someone else is what makes us feel better in the long run. So 50 participants were randomly assigned to either an experimental or a control group. So there was two groups. And they were told they'd be given 25 Swiss francs in each of the following four weeks. In the experimental group, they were told to commit to spending money on other people. Who, that was their own choice and examples, included buying gifts or taking them out to dinner. So, for instance, these experimental group were told to spend money on other people, whomever they wanted. So they, did, they weren't told who to spend money on. It was just to do it and do it to whomever you want. Or not do it to, spend it on whomever you want. By buying gifts or taking them out to dinner. The other group, the control group, they were told to spend money on themselves, such as buying themselves gifts or taking themselves out to dinner. So the experimental group was to spend on their friends or whomever they wanted to, and the control group was to not spend on anyone and only spend for themselves. Items, shopping, dinner, etc. So the second part of the experiment then had them complete a decision-making task while the researchers measure, measure their body oxygen level dependent responses, which is used to observe areas of the brain and the organs. So again, they had them do these acts and then they were recording how their brain and oxygen levels were functioning. So in each of the trials, they were given an option that they could either accept or reject whatever someone was giving them, meaning money or losing money. So the financial hit varied from three to 25 Swiss francs, but always involved some kind of personal sacrifice, which they used to define how generous each of them had behaved. So they measured their happiness using the subjective happiness scale before and after the exercise. And the people were the, and the people that were behaving generously, the people that were spending money on their friends and family, whoever they chose, versus the control group who was told not to spend any money, they found that their brain related to reward and happiness lit up. So what that meant, basically, was the ones who were spending money on their friends and family and you know, not, um, not to told how to spend their money, their brains actually lit up where reward is and happiness. I don't know where it's at. I think it's over here. I'm not sure, but I'll find out for you. Or let me know in the comments. <laughs> but in other words, they were act the, the, when they were being generous, it was described as though they had a warm glow about them. I mean, think about it. How have we always heard that in order to give... To give is to receive. To give is to get. If you want something, if you want happiness, you've got to be the one to give it. If you want love, then you have to get it. I mean, how many times have we heard that through so many things, you know, in life that in order to get whatever it is or to feel a certain something, whatever it is, we have to be willing to make that sacrifice first instead of waiting for somebody else to do it for us. I wanted to kind of even go over the word kind. Because, you know, they're talking about kindness is, is, is the key to happiness, is the key to peace. And, and I just wanted to kind of do a little research on the actual word kindness. Like, where does it come from? What, you know, what does it mean? 
you know, what, what does it really mean as far as the, you know, the linguistic part of it? So in the, in the uh, Webster, the Merriam-Webster dictionary, the definition kind in the noun sense was um, stating that a group united by common interests or traits. So, or um, a specific or recognized variety of whatever it is. So let's say like a kind of apple, a kind of car, a kind of personality. So the noun is kind of like the category type. So what kind of ice cream is that? What kind of, what kind of coffee is that? I love ice cream. Or what kind of car is that? So it's like a category. The noun is the category. Or um, also it can mean um, in goods or commodities as distinguished from money or a payment of in-kind. And so I just learned this not too long ago um, of like in-kind, I think they call it in-kind advertising or rolling. I'm sorry. It's basically in-kind promoting. Like so, um, for instance, if, 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 um, if I want you to post my ad in your magazine, um, I can offer you an in-kind promotion in return by doing something that is as a value to you for me putting an ad in your magazine that I can do for you. So it's like, um, you know, reciprocal, something reciprocal is also, you know, another word for in kind or kind. And then the adjective, the descriptive word of kind is something that is sympathetic or helpful of nature. Um, for instance, a kind neighbor or someone was very kind to us. Or a forbearing nature, a gentle, kind treatment to animals. So um, something that is very loving or sweet, you know, a kind. And the crazy thing to me that stuck out to me was the noun is the category. So, I mean, the word kind as a noun in that sense of interest to be also an adjective that is something of gentle. I mean, that to me is like, that is, how, how, how can we not be that way? It just seems like kind is the natural state for who we are, human beings, that this is what feels good to us. We are kind, that is our natural state. We are kind, we are gentle, and if not, we, definitely want those people to be that way to us. Like, we don't want people to mean to be us. We want people to be kind to us. We want to be, you know, generous to us. We, we don't want people to be mean to us. I mean, so when we act upon that natural state, that natural kindness of who we are and pour it out onto others, we t generally get it back. You know, not necessarily always because everyone that we meet is not always going to be in a kind state. You know, everybody has always has their you know things going on, and you know maybe grumpy or upset or struggling, and so maybe they're not going to respond to you in that kind manner. But but they probably will, and if they don't, it's okay. You are going to have an understanding that they're probably in a bad mood. You know, we as a hum as humans. We like to be in that comfort state. It feels good to feel good. You know, we don't want to be angry or jealous or bitter or worried or fearful. And all it takes is a shift, a shift of, I don't want to feel this way, a shift of telling yourself, this is not what I want. I, 
I, I want to be kind. I don't want to. I don't want to feel as though that people are mean in this world, even though they are. You know, everybody's got problems. But you know what? I'm going to do. I'm going to. I'm going to go back and be me and be my natural state, and I'm going to show kindness for everyone, because I can imagine myself on the other side of the table where maybe I'm having a bad day and someone chooses to smile at me or say hello or open the door or something, something like that's going to affect me. You know, maybe it doesn't immediately, but it will. And when we are doing something not against the grain, and what I mean by that, we are not twisting and turning and manipulating into something negative, which is, you know, not our natural state, which is anger and fear. That restful state is this peace and comfort and, and love. And in order to be in that state, we must be thoughtful of being in that state. And what I mean by that is you're going to get mad. You're going to get angry. Someone's going to make you angry. Someone's going to make you upset. Someone's going to make you want, not want to be kind to them because maybe they're not kind to you. Maybe they said something rude. They cut you Whatever it is. We don't live like that. We have choices. We have a choice to be kind, and we have a choice to not be kind. But to me, being kind feels better. I don't want to feel angry. I don't want to feel fear. I don't want to be upset. I don't want to feel that. I'd rather feel kind. And whatever it was that was there that made me upset or made me feel negative, it's not there anymore because this is where I live. I live in kindness, and other people don't affect me. Not all the time, but that's my thought. So, again, no wonder why it doesn't feel good when someone is trying to be opposite of, you know, the category of nature, who we are, kind, kind. You know, we, like like we talked about before, everything that is here, me, you, paper, everything, was existing because someone desired it, someone loved it, someone had a passion about it and created it. We were born of love and life. You know, I know certain situations sometimes, you know, some people may were not born into all those ideal situations where there are love and, you know, positive. You know, I, I know that. But that doesn't mean that no one will ever love you. No one will ever be kind to you. That does not mean that. So if you want happiness, if you want peace, think about what you can do to be more kind every day, whether it's to be open a door for someone, to smile at someone, to say hello, to say goodbye, what something every day. And I am telling you, if you incorporate being kind to more people, no matter what you think they're gonna take advantage of you, you know, you're not, you know, you're not, you're, eventually you're gonna be like, okay, something right here and I'm not gonna let somebody take advantage. But it's not about that, it's about the simple acts of kindness. Like I said, opening the door, saying hello, brightening up someone's day, those things. Those things will change your life. They will make you look at life differently, appreciate your life, and that's only going to draw in better things. It's the truth. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode today. If so, make sure you give us a thumbs up on YouTube and subscribe to our channel. Again, like us on Facebook at Facebook forward slash Believe Loves You. And I'll see you later.